I came across an article uh, this week. It was uh, about the Mariner's Museum in Newport News, Virginia. And in this museum, there was all these fancy boats. But in the middle of all these fancy boats, there's this one display of a homemade kayak. Now, what is a homemade kayak from 50 or 60 years ago doing in this museum? The story goes that back in 1966, there was an auto mechanic, Loriano and his wife Consuelo, and they were living in Cuba, and they decided that they needed to escape. And so Loriano was an auto mechanic, and he decided that he would grab all the scrap pieces of metal that he could, and over a period of months, he built a homemade kayak, just big enough for him and his wife. And on a moonless night in September of 1966, he set out on a boat, on the homemade boat, uh, and only had enough water and food for a couple of days. After 70 hours at sea, he was finally rescued by the U.S. Coast Guard just south of Alligator Reef Lighthouse uh, in the Florida Keys, and they were finally saved. Now, years later, Loriano was asked about this, and he was asked, was it worth risking your life to attain this freedom? And this is what he said. He said, when one has grown up in liberty, you realize it's important to have freedom. We lived in the enormous prison, which is Cuba, where one's life is not worth one crumb, where one goes out into the street and does not know whether he will return to one's home. Because the political police can arrest you without warning and put, in, and put you in prison. Before this could happen to us, we thought that going into the ocean and risking death or being eaten by sharks is a million times better than to stay suffering under political oppression. Well, this short story just goes to show us the, the power and the importance of freedom. And that's what Paul's going to be talking about in our passage He's going to be talking about how we have spiritual freedom and really how to keep it. So let me go ahead and read verse 1, which is the the main verse and the key verse of our passage. Paul says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So to uh, recap what Paul has been saying in Galatians is that a person is only saved through faith in Jesus Christ, not through any other actions. And since there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves, we should stop trying. Instead, we should keep Jesus at the center of our life. And when we do that, when Jesus is at the center of our life, we are not only saved, but at that point we are spiritually free. But here's the danger that Paul's going to be getting at in the coming verses. Even though Christians are free when they put their faith in Jesus Christ, we can still act in a way that puts us back into slavery. Not in terms of losing your salvation, but in terms of finding freedom in Christ. And so for the rest of the passage, Paul's going to be pointing out some ways, some things that we need to remember about this freedom that we have been given. And so I've pulled out and I've put it into what I call three things to remember about living in freedom. So let me uh, walk us through these. Here's the first one. Living in freedom 
means living for eternity. means living intentionally. Verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I again testify to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So the Galatians had put their faith in Christ, but then they converted, we might say, to putting their faith in Christ plus. Christ plus these other customs. And Paul's saying that by adding these extra rules uh, does not help. And by adding these extra rules really leads to a life of slavery, not freedom. For verse 6, he says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision count for anything. And so since these actions do not make you righteous, why should you do them? Don't do these pointless things if you're doing them with the intention of trying to to earn God's right standing. So here's what I want us to see, that to add unnecessary rules or or beliefs to your life is to live pointlessly, not freely. Think of it this way. You're out running a marathon. That's me in the back right now. Not really. You, You won't find me in this picture. But you're out there running the marathon. And what if I were to stop you or or come beside you and say, if you want to win, then not only do you have to get to the end, uh, but every mile, I need you to eat a donut. And then every three miles, you need to stop and you need to do the Macarena. And then at at the halfway point, you have to stop and you have to do a river dance routine. And then, right before you get to the ending, uh, you you need to sing uh, a song from the Phantom of the Opera. And then finally, you can get to the ending there. But what if you got to the end, and you made it through, you did all these things that I had told you to do, and then you realized that all you had to do was make it to the end, and that all these extra things I gave you were not really necessary at all. And that's what the Galatians were doing. They were adding things to, uh, to their walk with Christ. And it was pointless, just like eating a donut every mile on a marathon race. And so what Paul's saying is that you don't need these extra things. But how often do we, church, do that as well? How often do we think that you must follow Christ plus do these other things? That you must follow Christ plus whatever, fill in the blank, plus good works, plus attend church, plus be part of some part of belief system or something else. But listen, anything plus Christ is unnecessary. It's just unnecessary. Some, uh, someone asked me the other day, uh, they, they said, as, as we were in, you know, it's a very political week, they asked me, uh, is it possible for a Democrat to be a Christian. And, I, and, and as I was talking to this person, what they're really asking is, uh, not even as much can only Republicans be Christians, but, but can, can pro, only pro-life people be Christian? 
And um, I'm going to actually talk about this idea more in our Island Pond blog, ding, 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 uh, this week. But let me give you the short answer. That I'm very pro-life. I'm very, very pro-life. But uh, political beliefs are not what save us. Um, even, listen, even moral beliefs like, like homosexuality or abortion, those beliefs, one way or the other, are not what save us. And so, uh, it, it is, so salvation is only through Jesus Christ, no matter what your belief system is, no matter what else happens. Now, if you want the fuller answer, wait till later this week. But while I want everyone here to be pro-life, that issue will not save you. Only Jesus is what's going to save you. And so that's why Paul says in verse 6, he says, only faith, he's talking about only faith in Jesus, working through love. Here's the cool thing. I'm not saying that only faith, like you can only talk Jesus, you can only think Jesus, you can only do Jesus stuff. What I'm saying is that everything you do should be through the lens or through the filter of Jesus. So, so, so you, can, you can have other beliefs. You can have other hobbies. You can have other interests. But they need to go through your faith in Jesus Christ. You see, faith in Christ is the filter for our other actions and beliefs to make sure we keep living freely. If you put your belief in something else other than Christ, it will eventually enslave you. But if you keep Christ as the filter for everything, that's how you live in freedom. This came from our house this morning. A little dirty. Good thing I changed it. Finally remembered. Thank you, church. But uh, what this does in your house is it, uh, you know, the, the air starts blowing in the house and the air blows through it. And this little filter here catches all the air. And then the clean air comes out on the other side. And what I encourage you to do is think of your faith in Christ as the filter through which you do everything else. And so let's take uh, politics, for example. We're, again, it's a very political week. Uh, can you be interested in politics and be a Christian? Yes, yes, yes. But you take that interest in politics and you let it go through the filter in Jesus Christ, that faith in Christ, and let it come out the other end. And what you have is you still have an interest in politics, but it's, a, but it's done with still your hope of salvation being in Jesus, not in a political party. It's done in love, and it's done in compassion and grace, not harshly or uncompassionately. That's what it means to, 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 let, to do things in faith. What about, say, I don't know, playing guitar? Can you play guitar and be a Christian? And the answer is yes. Yes, you can, but do it in a way that you do it through faith. Through faith. And when you do it through faith in God, then, then, then you don't let it occupy all your time. You still attend church, even though you love playing your guitar. Or maybe you even take some of that interest and you show up on Sunday morning and, and if you got talent, I'm not saying if you can, you know, just hold a guitar, but if you got talent, then you come and you play in a worship team or all these things. Or let's take, um, I don't know, your, your interest in anything. Uh, I'm thinking, um, how about your interest in woodworking? 
Woodworking. All right. Do it. Have fun with it. Enjoy it. Relax doing it. But do it through your faith in Jesus Christ. And so as you're woodworking, you know, you're not letting it take you away from Christ. And maybe you're putting on some, some worship music in the back. And so you're, you're, you're worshiping God through your woodworking. Or maybe you do something that then you can, uh, when, when the church has different problems going on, you, you help out a little bit with your woodworking habits and hobbies that you have. Or you do it in a way that you can maybe find some evangelistic ways that you meet up with other woodworkers and you share about how God's working in your life during that time. All these things in your life. You're doing it through the faith in Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you, how's your faith doing? Because everything else goes through that filter. And so we, we need to have growing faith, not decreasing faith. And thankfully, Paul tells us how we can grow our faith in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Word of Christ. So we can grow our faith. And we can grow our faith through hearing the Word of God. By getting the Word of God in our life. Not just by reading it every now and then, but really getting the Word of God in our life. And the more we do that, the more that we hear the Word of God and, 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 and start to put it further and further down in our life, our faith will begin to grow. And then that faith can start to impact other areas of our life. Um, another way that you can grow your faith by hearing is by hearing testimonies of God working in other areas uh, of people's lives. And so as you uh, watch maybe testimonies on YouTube of, of, a, of a drug dealer putting their faith in Christ and, and, and learning to find that new life, and, and that grows your faith as well. Or, or testimonies of God calling people to be missionaries overseas, and that grows your faith. All these things can grow your faith as you hear the word of Christ. And then let that impact your own life as well. And that church is one of the ways that you can intentionally live freely and not become stuck in bondage. I read a story about some, an English missionary named Reverend Fox in 1907. He left his comfortable life as a professor at Cambridge in order to be a missionary in Nigeria. Now, why would he do that? Because his faith compelled him to go out of his comfort zone into a foreign land. And the story went on to tell how through this man, many people were putting their faith in Jesus Christ in Nigeria. And many churches were being formed. And so he needed help. And so he wrote his brother in England and asked him to come and help him. His brother was a physician. And so his brother agreed to and came and, and sailed off for Nigeria. But as he was sailing off, the first brother, Reverend Fox, died of illness in Nigeria. The brother got there and took off where the brother had left off and continued the work. But then the second brother died of illness in Nigeria. And I read the story about what happened to the parents. So the parents got news that both of their kids had died as missionaries in Nigeria. And their reaction was not getting angry at God, but their reaction was that they took all their property and they sold it and they took the money that they had and they gave it to the mission society in England. And this is what the father said. As much as we grieve the death of our two sons, we will only be consoled if the purposes for which they died continues. Now that right there 
is living by faith. That's living by faith. That They knew that Jesus was the only way. And even though they grieved, and even though they missed their children, they knew that there was an even greater purpose than that. And that is why they would sell their property and continue to invest in what their children's lives started. That's the filter through which they lived. Now listen, again, bring up this politics issue. Some of us right now are, are a little bit shaky because it, it, it sounds like that for many of you, your political party has not won. And, and for us, it, that, if that happens, then what I want to encourage you is to not let that rock you off your foundation because Jesus Christ is still in charge. And Jesus Christ is through the faith of Jesus Christ that we will continue to live our lives. And will the world change? Yes, I don't know, but probably. But either way, Faith in Jesus Christ is the filter through which we live. Not faith in a political party. Not faith in anything or anyone else. Faith in Jesus should be our focus. And that is how you live in freedom. You will not live in freedom if you let the Republican Party or the Democrat Party be your main goal in life. You won't. You won't. And so Jesus Christ and that faith in him is our filter. Let's look at the second thing, though, he says. He says uh, in verse 7 through 12 that we need to throw off hindrances. Throw off hindrances. All right, I need um, someone to help me out with this here. Um, let's see. Are you free, Jeff, to come on up here? All right, while we're, um, well, I'm going to read the passage in just a moment. I'm going to have uh, Jeff just go ahead and just start wrapping me up here. Um, hold on, let me just grab my Bible. All right, have at it. You, verse 7, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole bread or the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and that one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But I, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who would who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Do you need someone to come up and take your place? Are you getting dizzy here? I don't want to mess up. No, 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 no. Keep on going. Keep on going here. And if you need a, if you need a tag team, you can have Richard come and help you. All right. So again, the Galatians started out well. They started out by putting their faith in Christ, but over time they turned to living in rules. And this greatly concerned Paul because you can't live in freedom if you are restrained by rules or by other beliefs. And so Paul asks, he's saying, what's hindering you? What's holding you back? And he knows the answer. And the answer is, in their case, that they were turning to Jewish customs to make them what they thought to make them right before God. And Paul says that this is not from God. That these beliefs, these, these actions are holding you back. They're messing you up. Just like this rope is messing me up as I'm trying to preach here. And at the end of verse 12... 
He says that he wishes he would just go and emasculate themselves. In other words, he's saying, are you getting dizzy here? A little. Okay, you you can stop. You can stop. You sure? I'm I'm getting dizzy just watching you. He wishes that they would go and emasculate themselves. This is in the Bible here. He's wishing someone to cut off their private parts. That's the Bible here, not me saying this. But they were preaching... That to be saved, you had to be circumcised. So, so he's saying that to follow that is to just, just go the, the whole way. Now his point here is not that they would literally do that. His point here, he's saying, I think that he's making the point that to live in freedom, that by, by adding things to your relationship with God, it's going to hinder you. And so what you need to do instead is cut them out. Hebrews 12.1 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us how many think you could beat me in a race right now i mean most of you probably think you could beat me in a race even before this but definitely right now because i am slightly entangled and this is what sin does I I probably look ridiculous up here, preaching the word of God with a rope wrapped around me. But realistically speaking, most of us look pretty ridiculous as we say we've put our faith in Christ. And yet we often turn to other things, other beliefs, or other sins to really as, as our gods. And when we do that, this is what happens to us. And really... Over time, this is what we'll look like if we continue. We will end up in bondage, and we will maybe even end up looking a little bit ridiculous in life. Carl Lentz was a pastor at Hillsong um, in uh, New York City. He's a well-known pastor, very popular, and uh, he, he, he baptized uh, Justin Bieber, if that's how you say his name, you know, the movie stars and musicians came to him. But then it, word got out last week that he was fired. And he wrote that he was fired because he had had an affair. And he wrote in his blog and Instagram, or on Instagram, that the reason sort of went in that direction is because he was leading from a place of emptiness, he said. Of emptiness. And listen, that, that's what sin does. That's what following wrong beliefs do. That the more that you begin to engage in these sinful behaviors, the more that you follow after sinful things, the more empty that you will become. The more that you follow wrong beliefs and stop believing and following after the Lord Jesus, the more empty you will become. And the more empty you become, the more your decisions are going to be a little bit off base. The, the, the poorer your decisions are going to be until you eventually wake up one day and you're like, how did I end up? Like this. And what Paul's saying, and what the author of Hebrews is saying, is that we need to take these and we need to cast them off. I don't know here if I'm going to be able to. Let's see. We need to take these and and cast them off. We need to get them off our life. Because only then will we have true freedom. And so take those sins and throw them off. Give them to Jesus. 
Take those, those wrong beliefs, throw them off, give them to Jesus, and let him lead you to true freedom because you will not have freedom when you're wrapped up in wrong belief or wrapped up in sin. Here's the third thing that we see here. Pursue love, not indulgence. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for flesh, but through love serve one another. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So what he's saying is that since you are free, there's the temptation for some to think that if I'm free in Christ, I'm not bound to the law. I'm just going to get to go and do anything I want. And what Paul's saying is that, no, it's not like that. Instead, we are called not to just go and and follow self-indulgences, but to follow serving one another in love and to do things in love. And so now that Christ has set us free, we are free indeed, but we're not free to just go do whatever we want. We're free to go serve love, serve one another in love, to go love people and to go and, 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 and to, to love God and love people. And we, do our, we live out our freedom in that way, not just doing whatever we want. And so some of you are here on Sunday morning Because you think in order to be saved, you have to be here. And what I would encourage you to be, to to think is not that you have to be here, but that, listen, but that you get to be here. That you get the honor of coming together with the other Christians here in Hampstead and serving God and worshiping God together and loving Him. And so this should not be an obligation for salvation. This is a privilege because of your salvation. There's a big difference here. And so uh, the, worship, the, the, the offering that we do each week, when you give in the offering, you don't give because you are earning God's favor, like I'm going to give extra today because I've sinned a little bit more this week. No, you, that's because God has blessed you so much that you have the privilege, you have the honor to give towards the work of God. So we have freedom, but don't just do it however we want. Do it in love. I love what uh, Matthew, what it says in Matthew. They asked Jesus what the greatest commandment is. And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. But what exactly does it mean for us to carry this out? For us to, to love one another? How do we live in a way that loves one another. Um, to illustrate this, I read a, a book or part of a book called A Train in Winter. And it's about um, some French resistance workers, some women, in World War II. And 230 of them were captured and put into a concentration camp. And uh, in the camp, uh, they found that many of the people there would live in a way that they would have to uh, try to save themselves. That if they wanted to survive, they had to hoard or they had to uh, just do whatever they could to save themselves. But these workers, these resistance workers, uh, um, gathered together 
and helped each other out. And so, for example, when one person was about to go mad because they didn't have any water, some of the others gave up their rations, their, their, their little rations, in order to help this one person. And so by the end, only uh, 49 of these women survived, but they showed others that what it means to live together and live for each other. And that's an example of what we are called to do as Christians, that, that we live in freedom, not so that we can just live indulgently, but that so, so that we can then serve and help and benefit others around us. And as Christians, we're not just called to do that because, uh, because it's good to do, but we're doing it because we're modeling after what Jesus Christ did for us. Have you ever thought about that? That Jesus Christ came to this earth. And he didn't come to, to, to be served, but to serve. He came not to, uh, not to get all the glory here and, and be some king, but he came to die for us so that we may have life. And he came not to serve his friends, but to serve his enemies. And that's what we're called now to do as well. So I encourage you, church, to follow after the example of Jesus Christ. That he loved and he served. And that's what we should do as well. And if you've never put your faith in him, I encourage you, even this morning, then it's as easy as just calling out to him and asking him to be the Lord of your life. And if you will do that and, and truly mean it, then the Bible says that you will be saved and adopted into his family and you will have freedom in Christ. You have the ability to live and to serve others and to, and to not live in sin anymore. Let me close with, uh, with this story here. During the Civil War, uh, there was a, a northerner, and the, the story person that wrote it didn't know if it was true or not, but it, either way, it makes a great point. There's this northerner that went to a southern slave market and uh, he went and he bought a, uh, a little slave. And this slave girl walked off from the slave market with him, now property of the man. And the man, as the, after they got a little ways out, the man told her, he said, he said you're free, you can go. And, and she said, you mean I'm, I'm free to, to do whatever I want? And he said, yes. And, and I'm free to, to say whatever I want? He said, yes. And, and I'm free to, to be whatever I want? And he said, yes. And I'm even free to go wherever I want? Yep. You can go wherever you want. She thought about it for a moment, and she said, then I'm going with you. Because she recognized that if someone were to buy her freedom and then give it to her, that's a good person to stick with. And Jesus Christ, through the penalty and through the purchase of his own life, purchased our freedom. And so there is no one better to stick with than him. And that right there is the first step that we should take to truly live a free life. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray this morning.